Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Vegans don't eat cheese. Welcome to the Fact Off. Welcome to the Fact Off, your weekly battle of facts, y'all. Alex is the host, not a slack off. Mike's got the facts that'll smack y'all. But don't worry, cuz Pat's got your back, y'all. It's the Fact Off. It's the fact, though. A weekly podcast where we each bring you a random obscure fact, and you, the listeners, can decide the winner. I'm your host, as always, Alex, and as with me is always the weekday freak, Pat. Hello, everyone. And Mikey Sands. Is that why we don't ever record on the weekend? Yeah. yeah. Pat does nothing on the weekends. Yeah, I want to get freaky. This is me freaky right now. Yeah, the week. You should see him all buttoned up on the weekends with his Bible and his. Kane, I don't know what he does on the weekend. He goes to the church like on Saturdays and Sundays, and then also goes Sunday nights. It's true. I'm very boring on the weekends. I'm all fact up on uh, weekdays. Yeah, you get those facts in you, and you're all wired to go. Yeah. Well, let's just let's just sit right into it, Mike. Start the fact calculator. Who won last week? Well, I decided. uh, Pat said he was going to be the the 2023 champ. I know. What'd you call yourself? You had some catchy nickname that was Mr. Ridiculous. 2023. <laughs> yes. Rolled right off the tongue. And what's funny is since you've made that claim, you have not won since. No. Like Icarus, he flew too close to the sun. Yeah. It's true. I think you um, made our a, listeners sick to their stomachs with your boasting. I have a sad <laughs> fact. Can I, can I, have a, I have a sad fact of the week. I looked at the voting earlier today, and I noticed that I did not have any votes so I voted for myself, just so I would have <laughs> one vote. Wow! From from leader of the pack to a sad the, sitting on the street the begging past, for votes. <laughs> yeah. The first two weeks of the year, I had no votes. Did I vote for myself? No. I vowed just to keep bringing in crappier and crappier facts <laughs> until I win. Yeah, we Hopefully all this week. <laughs> each one of us goes on streaks, so. And I have continued my streak from I, last week. Uh, what? Yeah. So I'm the winner. The, new, the rule of 2023 is if you win two in a row, you have to go streaking. That's true. I did it. Yep. I mean, that's fine. I, I, I'll i take a shower tonight and run to my bedroom and then run back to the shower. I don't know. I've never seen you go back to the shower. Because <laughs> I have to go get my towel. Unless I can <laughs> leave my towel in the bedroom. Plan, I have to plan this out. All right, I'll draw you a diagram of your house <laughs> and your route. And... Uh, well, since you won, Mike, you get to give a victory fact. All right. Proceed. Uh, all right, so it's very commonplace for you people to ride in elevators. I'm sure everybody has ridden in one. I do it every day. But when you're in a rush, you're just like trying to hit that close button. And somebody's a little bit far far away, and you're like, I don't want that person to get on an elevator with me. You're trying I to sneakily hit that close button. Uh, I heard they don't do anything. Well, that's that's my fact. Uh, it's a placebo button. Um, so they actually were all uh, disconnected in the 1990s. So I want all of them. I want to go that far because anytime I hit that button, I get a boner. So it does something. <laughs> it makes you super excited. Yeah, <laughs> they were all disconnected because. <laughs> well, they used to have like uh, before automatic doors. Like now, they just automatically close. But um, at, at one point in time, there used to be a person. Were they bellhops? Is that what they called them? Or 
Elevator um, operator. Elevator operators, yeah. Somebody who yeah. would ride on the elevator and close Elvops. it. Elvops. Okay, thank you. Um, so, yeah, that was my <laughs> made that up. Uh, bonus fact or victory fact. Victory, victory fact. fact. That's good. Well, you, I, I still hit that button even though, like, after I learned that fact, I still hit that button. Can I have another confession? But these all are my, your confessions. All my facts are placebo facts. <laughs> none, of, none of them are real facts. And uh, my other confession is sometimes I know somebody's about to come up to the elevator and I'll pretend like I didn't see them and just let the doors close. You know, if you're far enough away, like I just kind of like pretend like I didn't know they were there, you know. Not me. I like to put my hand out and stop the doors and I like feel the power of a god in my hands. That elevator wants to shut and I'm like, no. That's how Alex lost his left hand. <laughs> Don't you kick the person in the chest? Yeah, it's my elevator. I'm not getting on. Yeah, I want them to know if I they could, I could have let them on. That's the best power move possible. It's like wait until they come up like two feet away and then just let it close right in their face. I am like the Saint Peter of elevators. <laughs> yeah, I decide who gets in and who gets off. You do have that clipboard. You just look at it all the time. Are you on the list? Uh, my elevator at work. If you hold it too long. It like lets out the most annoying like beep sound, and then it closes extra slow, <laughs> like almost like we're punishing you for keeping us open. Yeah. Well, that takes us right into Pat's fact, 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 factacular, fact, 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 factacular, fact, 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 factacular, factacular with Pat featuring Mike. All right, welcome back to the Pat Factacular, where I read you five wonderful facts from the Mental Floss Fact Calendar provided by our dear, lovely Mike. What was his nickname this week? Mikey Sands. Mikey it's been Sands. The same Thank for you, the past two weeks. I love how we're not sponsored by Mental Floss. You don't have to <laughs> read off. My there. facts are okay. If, they, how else are we going to get sponsorship unless I sponsor ourselves? That's that's not how sponsorship works, Pat. Like if you're reading off, like brought to you by Coca Cola, why would they pay us? If we're going to do it anyways. Because what's going to happen is so many people are going to start buying mental floss. They're going to realize it's because of me. And then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to pull away. I'm going to stop saying mental floss. Mm. And then they're going to be like, no, we're addicted to this. Let's pay you for it. That's how it works. Uh, they sent me a check once a week. To do what? For the fact off. Please don't say mental floss on your show. <laughs> stop. <laughs> you're learning <laughs> sales. <laughs> Our five facts come from you all the way from February the 2nd to February 7th. On the 2nd in 2005, the state of Idaho passed a resolution commending the makers of Napoleon Dynamite for promoting Idaho's most famous export, a.k.a. the tater tot. Oh, nice. Not a big tater tot guy. No, okay. Do you know what's better? The golden crowns. They're like the tiny smushed tater tot, kind of like the one that's at... uh, the circles? Yeah, the circles. I've never heard of this. I know. I go french fry, onion ring, and I know it's not a potato. <laughs> yeah, the sides. old onion ring potato. French fries, I like onion pizza. Ring. <laughs> I do like a side of pizza with my cheeseburger. Yeah. You're just naming uh, off foods at this point. February 3rd. Despite being thought of as an overnight dud, new Coke actually stuck around for quite a while after it was introduced in 1985. Overnight Dud was my nickname in college. <laughs> it was <laughs> actually su- now. <laughs> it was actually supposedly good, uh, but people don't like change. Yeah, yeah. It was um, rebranded as Coke Two. That's why the uh, Change.org website never got off the ground. 
Wait, what was it? <laughs> Change.org. Yeah. It's a government website. <laughs> All right. Um, it actually went from 85 to 2002. That was the end of the fact. All right. Have you ever heard of Christopher Guest? Yeah. He's a comedian, director. He uh, made uh, Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show. He's actually a... Uh, he holds a hereditary British peerage as the fifth Baron Hayden Guest. I don't know what half those words meant. So. Yeah, and I don't know how Moving they made on. the cut for anything. I think it's just... He said... Um, he's like... he was When he was born into it by accident, obviously, and then your dad dies and you're the next one. So... I guess it's just something in his line. I looked up peerage, and I just think it's like someone who like owns land or something. I don't know. All right, it's something British that we don't care about. Yeah, uh, it made the fact off. So this one is my favorite fact of the week. I'm just gonna say it right now, Babe Ruth, who was born on this day, Monday, February sixth, in nineteen or in 1895, used to tuck cold cabbage leaves under his baseball cap to keep cool. Yeah, it was the original like wet towel that they they have nowadays. Yeah, he would ring the cooling it and towel. Whip the other people with the cabbage. Yeah, his nickname yeah. was the Cabbage Patch Kid. <gasps> Is that true? No. Oh, that was a placebo fact. I went to the Cabbage Patch Hospital, like store in uh, Helen, Georgia. <laughs> this <laughs> the story is going places. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> the story is going places. Let's go back to Baby Ruth, please. <laughs> I got to see a Cabbage Patch being born. Cabbage Patch Kids. It's called a factory. Now this is they had like a whole thing and a whole show and then a new Cabbage Patch Kid was born. (laughs) Did it show like the graphic graphic birthing of the Cabbage Patch? They they measured how many leaves were around and stuff. It's amazing. I'm so glad you told us this. Mike, any other placebo facts we could add? You haven't been. You're jealous because I'm still in the middle of Pat's Factacular. And my final fact, Curious George has sometimes gotten a little too curious. In one 1947 book, Curious George takes a job. The mischievous monkey wanders around in a hospital and comes across ether, a common anesthetic at the time. He samples it and nods off before being woken up by the man in the yellow hat. Is that true? Is that like a true like book? I guess it's on the fact calendar. Yeah, it's I, also like not like really a fact. It's just like, hey, there's a book about this. My roommate in college had a T-shirt with that picture on it, but Curious George passed out with a jar of ether. My uh, buddy must, John, you met must, John? Yeah, Big John Stud. Yep, my, I went to college with Big John Stud. Yeah, old Curious John. <laughs> so you, you thought it was just the original T-shirt, but it really was yeah. probably just a picture from the book. Yeah, I thought it was just like a Spencer shirt or some crap like uh, that. Listeners, we'll be right back. Alex has to make an angry phone call to John for lying to him all these years. <laughs> no, I, just, I didn't know. I didn't and know. every day. I'm glad this fu- podcast is finally paying off. I get really? those checks in the mail for mental floss, and I learned that. <laughs> all right, that's it for the week. And Mike, since you are a winner, you get to pick the order that we go. Well, I... I'm sure you could probably guess, but I'm going to go with Alex Alex uh, this week. Okay. Because when Pat goes first, he doesn't win. And I want to give yeah. him the best shot possible. I went first the time yeah. I won, didn't I? I don't who's, know. who's to say, Pat? No one listens to these. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you guys ever heard of Montana? 
heard of it. Have you ever heard of Butte, Montana? A Butte from Butte. Yep. Have you ever heard of Berkey Lake? A Berkey Flake from Berkey Lake. Uh, Berkey Lake is actually an old mine that was opened in 1955 and then shut down in 1982. I feel like I'm on a tour guide. Uh, (laughs) I'm at the mine right now and the tour guide's telling me about what's going on here. But it's his first day because he keeps looking at his notes. So they shut down the they shut down the mine on Earth Day, um, and then they also turned off the water pumps to the mine. So slowly, water began to seep in, collecting like sulfuric acid and uh, like sleeping in like the metals and stuff, and it became a extremely toxic lake, like one point three miles long. It's just extremely wow. toxic, and. If a bird lands on the lake, it can cook them from the inside out. Oh, that's disgusting. And they die. Oh, that's how uh, KFC chicken's made. Yeah. Mike probably, they made him probably hungry. His stomach is rumbling. So, about that. in 1995, they found 342 dead snow geese. And they're like, hey, something needs to be done. This the lake is so toxic that it can dissolve motorboat steel propellers. We need to do something. So what did they do? They hired guys with binoculars and a little shack that every so often would shoot rifles to scare the birds away. <laughs> that's such a good solution. <laughs> and it it works. I, w- like, that's I want what that job. Been... I'll take it. <laughs> that's wait, that's, that's what... still the solution? Yeah, that's that's the solution. So yeah, this it's not safe for these birds to be on there. So technically, they're protecting the birds, but to do that, you just have to scare them off. Like, hey, you can't stay here. And well, at first, I heard they tried a large broom that they would wave. At. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, shoo! It was a guy going shoo, shoo. You think they'd come up with something by now? Well, they also had these things uh, called whalers. They're like full whalers that are sa- they're sirens that have different alarms. But the shooting method was fine. Between 2010 and 2013, they only had like 14 dead geese. Try but then shoot at they're them. all accidentally yeah. shot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then tw- one night in 2016, there was like a real bad storm. I remember and, that yeah, that night. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Um, they estimate around like 60,000 geese landed in the pit. Um, oh, to get away like, from like the storm winds. The storm, they couldn't yeah. go anything. They it's wanted like shelter, to rest. Shelter, shelter, head for that poisonous. <laughs> they they tried. They were constantly shooting off guns to scare them off and all, and this wasn't working. And they said over like two days, around like three thousand geese died from the lake. It was just so bad. And like, you know what? The F- EPA was like, "Hey, you people who are running the lake." Like the old, like the mining companies, you guys need to do something. So then they're like, okay, we'll actually put a lot more effort into saving these geese. So they before it was, a, yeah, before it was just like a guy with binoculars and like they just had a clipboard that's like, this is a duck, it's the geese. Like they didn't know the difference. They were just making sure that, and like it turns out that they get like 50 different species of birds um, that fly through the area. You know, going south for the winter and north for like that's the one of the main hubs. So they started like the up their game. They uh, 
they added the like the walrus, and then they're doing like more studies of what birds land there. Mm-hmm. So like they have like a high power laser for birds that fly at night. They don't like the laser, so they'll shine the laser like the laser on the water, and it'll scare them off. Uh, they okay. still have the they have uh can uh propane cannons that are set their timer, so every so often they'll shoot off loud cannon noise, scare off the birds. I need to like live next to this place. The one guy was saying, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah it's that'd be pretty bad. There's not many people. The one guy was saying, like, you can hit on like a uh, clear night, you can hear the wailing, the alarms going, they scare off the birds. But it's also like the just trying to protect these birds. Like that's all it is. <laughs> like, it's like, just have they tried those like, land- little uh, pointy things they put on the uh, like the subway station? Yeah, <laughs> they tried that. They have them away. floating around. We're just uh, pouring all those little black balls, floating balls over the top of it. What that like? Uh, supposedly stop evaporation and that those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't stop evaporation. Uh, so they like I said, they had like a, they have like a small hut. They call it the bird shack, and every hour they do what they call the hate the hate hazing of the birds. That's when they go try to scare them off. They have a they have firework a fireworks display set up that they've only used twice. Kind of as like of a, July. Yeah. And New Year's and let, <laughs> um, Yeah, maybe that's where they just invite all the fireworks companies over there to test their products out. Can they just like clean the water? Is they're slowly of- they're slowly trying to clean it, but like it's taking years. Yeah, they they keep going back and getting new Brita filters, but it's pretty expensive yeah. and it can take a while to do that. It's Remember one guy scooping scooping it out a little pellet. It. Yeah. You remember that? You put the pellet in the water and then it like apparently it would just clean it for you. Can we just dump a bunch of pellets in the water? It's like they've been trying to clean like one lake for like a hundred years from like an old mine. Like it's just takes forever. Yeah, some of these chemicals would just hang around for you know. They use aerial drones for birds that like to land on like ice and like the shore to scare them off. They also have a thing called the water dog, which is a mozillaized boat that they get to drive around the like it gets the birds like moving, and then they'll shoot the rifle to scare them off. That's kind of um, it sounds like an awesome. I want this shot. Like they, I watched the video of the guy, and you could tell like he's like so proud of his job. Like we're keeping, like they are keeping these birds alive. Like and having fun. You know, yeah, like, it does guns. seem fun. You just see like a bunch of them standing out there. Like he's like, you have this five thousand dollar like uh, scope that they use to see birds. He's like, yeah, after a while, you don't need it. You can just like see them, like naked, like so used to it. Yeah, but, I uh, imagine like going to job meetings for this and just coming up with crazy new ideas to scare off birds. Yeah, like what's yeah. a bad day at the office for that job? Well, when you come up to three thousand dead geese, you trying to piss into the lake and fall in. It like the acid rises up your pee into your body and it cooks your penis from the inside. No, way to give away my big fact. <laughs> That's the big reveal. Like, no, it's not that big of a fact. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my fact. I just thought it was interesting that this is like the these guys' jobs. They just go out there every day, scare off birds to protect them. Pretty my cool. fact is called "Get Off the Damn Lake." Nice. Mike, who goes next? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I guess I'll, I'll go next. That's just like a... I can be an in-between. The coveted middle spot. Everybody votes for the middle fact. It's true. It's uh, the perfect place. Um, 
So, as everybody is aware, the government typically will declassify information and documents after a, a certain period of time. Uh, they'll obviously redact a bunch of stuff in there, but they will de- declassify things. They can declassify these nuts. <laughs> so glad you got that out. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for that. Laughing to myself as soon as Mike started talking. <laughs> he's he's been waiting to say that for fifty nine episodes. Um, and that's it. But that's the fact. Off everybody. Good night. <laughs> But I, I stumbled across this strange military uh, test from, like, the 1950s. And uh, the goal of these tests uh, was to determine if fleas could be reared, transported, loaded into munitions, and then delivered to a target in sufficient numbers to transmit diseases to an enemy. Ooh. So it's not these guys who stared at goats? No, uh, I don't know when that took a place, but was it in the 50s? It was around there. I think that movie was so boring, I don't think I even finished uh, 40 minutes of it. Fleas, though. Why would you want to be near fleas? Yeah, uh, well, the idea has some merit if you're trying to be evil and ridiculous with your uh, warfare te- you know, technology. Um, which I am. Which you are. You're so... This is back when I'm sure America, all of her warfare tactics have always had some uh, air of evil. Uh, I mean, war in general is just plain evil. But um, the idea kind of propagated from the Japanese idea. Uh, there was a unit 731. You ever heard of that unit, Alex? Or no, Pat? I don't. I have not heard of it. No, sorry. No, it was a unit during World War Two. Uh, the Japanese unit would test out like biological warfare and all sorts of crazy different experiments on humans. It, it was atrocious what they would do. Well, yeah, they like the Nazis did too, and all. Yeah, it was just a, it was just an evil dark time in in mankind's history. Uh, but they found that they could sp- spread the plague to Chinese citizens by using uh, plague infected fleas. And they would drop them yeah. from airplanes, like on like blankets or like uh, fabric, and it would spread across, spread out to um, people. It, and it, it it tended to work. I, the I know it's just <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I don't like it. And uh, I don't care for this. The reason why the U.S. Army landed on this idea is because releasing a pathogen on its own typically doesn't work very well because it gets killed off really easily in the air. You can wear gas masks, all that type of stuff. So. Did they try shooting guns at the fleas to scare them off to keep them moving? They did. And they found that fleas don't have uh, uh, good hearing. No, that's not true. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so in 1954, uh, out in Dugway Proving Grounds in Utah, uh, the U.S. military tested out the use of this uh, tropical flea in wolf for a warfare tactic. Um, the flea would be used like as a vector for disease, uh, but the, the fleas used in this test were disease-free. So I just wanted to preface Good that. Good for them. Yeah. Hey. At least they used disease-free uh, fleas. That rhymes a little bit, but... Um, These were no STD fleas. <laughs> STD-free oh, fleas. Um, 
So how did they test this, you might ask? Uh, I'll get into that real quick. I didn't ask. Well, I knew yeah, you I weren't going to ask because you guys never ask great questions. I'll ask a great question right now. Why are you such a jerk, Mike? It's true. That's a good question. <laughs> you should have seen Pat's face when I said that. He was mad. He, he stood up and was about to leave right there. Um, Kicked my chair over. Yeah. Uh, these fleas were actually loaded into like cardboard cylinders about the size of uh, um, Quaker oats. You know the oat cylinders. Okay. <laughs> probably, probably the same thing. <laughs> sometimes you go to the store, you get a whole container full of fleas, and sometimes it's oats. You, you know, it, it's the gamble you take. Um, I'm just gonna pass on both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, the bombs were equipped with like a mechanism to ex- to uh, expel carbon dioxide from a pressurized cartridge, and that would uh, rupture the bag of fleas that were inside this container, and then they would be expelled uh, like shotgun pellets from the device as they tumbled earthward. Uh, usually, about one thousand, two thousand feet above ground, this would all happen. Did you like learn this from watching Despicable Me or something? <laughs> it does sound. I'm telling you, it sounds like an evil mastermind plot. Uh, and I don't know, mastermind is the right word. Uh, yeah, uh, but they would land on the test subjects on the ground, which were guinea pigs for this uh, test. And uh, the guinea pigs were kind of spread out in a 660 yard circle to kind now of you like stay there, guinea pig. Don't move. <laughs> they're in cages. Uh, no. Yeah, so oh, they're good. They're gonna work. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love testing it. The cage on. is gonna stop the fleas. No, fleas can. <laughs> they're small creatures, Alex. Uh, you're thinking of yeah. Honey, I Shrunk the fl- or uh, blew up honey, the flea. Honey, I shrunk the fleas. <laughs> <laughs> honey, I blew up the flea. Um, no, the, these were very small creatures. Um, I'm sure everybody at home knows what a flea is. I hope. Uh, I don't think I have to get into that. Um, but the, Smash got to a half hour later, <laughs> and that's what a flea is. Uh, there was two types of bombs tested. Uh, the E-14 model, which had 100,000 fleas, and then the E-23 model had 200,000 fleas. Shouldn't they call them, what was it called, the E-what? The E-23. They could have called it the Flea 23? Come on. They should have. Or the Flea 20 Flea? <laughs> what? You should have wrote keep, my, keep going, Mike. You should have wrote my flag. <laughs> fact. Um, Mike said, I don't ask good questions. And here I am stumping him with my one. You are. Uh, you're coming up with ideas. You, you almost, it's almost like you worked on this uh, secret, top secret thing. Um, That's why I keep scratching myself. <laughs> well, funny you say that. The E-23 malfunctioned in the aircraft uh, before it was released. And the pilot... The bombardier and the observer all were all bit bit up to to bits, but they were they were fine because they were um, disease free fleas. Uh, okay, yeah, so they were fine, but they didn't use that method anymore. They tested the E fourteen from there on out, and the tests were quite successful. The f- we'll stick with. Good old-fashioned bombs. <laughs> Good old-fashioned bombs. <laughs> yeah. uh, the fleas would not only survive, but they would uh, rapidly attach to the host. So that's why fleas were used, because they would search out like a host. And 
Uh, Host with the most. <laughs> yeah. And they would be active for about 24 hours before they would die off. So they wouldn't be active for more than 24 hours. So, um, Sounds like me. Yeah. So they found it would be a good, I guess, use case. Uh, but I don't think it's a... Uh, I guess war is not moral at all. But I don't think it's great to use disease as a weapon. Um, but that's like in the category of entomological warfare. Um, and Get off your soapbox, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't like disease warfare. Get out of here. All right. This is sorry. I'm sorry to have like... <laughs> Opinion? Opinions about something everybody probably has. So, like, I, I don't think it's like an exclusive opinion from myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is the entomological warfare, the use of insects in arthropods as warfare tactic. It's a bad idea. Don't do it, folks. Can I be the name of your fact so we can watch Alex try to write it down for a half hour? Uh, no, uh, my <laughs> fact is just called Operation Big Itch. Nice. nice. Um, I don't know. That's not. That's not a terrible idea. Cause I saw this movie where <laughs> they had a giant moth, and I think they called it Mothra, and they had that attack other monsters and like the army and all. And it seemed like it was working out well for the giant moth. Well, is, didn't they try to like drop an elephant on? People have like a special operation. Operation Dumbo Drop? <laughs> yeah, is that, was that part of this test trial? No, it wasn't. What was the name of your fact? Operation Big Itch. Big Itch. It's a good name. Big Itch. I'm not going to beat that. Big Itch was uh, Pat's nickname in college. <laughs> big Itch, and you were the overnight dud. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to say, like, oh, more like Operation You're a Big Bitch. That does sound like something Alex would say. <laughs> I, I thought about it. It crossed my mind, but I went the other way with it. This is a family podcast. Well, I'm I'm glad you're clearing things up. <laughs> you're purifying Thank yourself. You. All right. Uh, next one up is Alex. He's the last one, and he's... <laughs> I'm going again. <laughs> it was such a good fact. I would hear it twice. <laughs> I forgot. It's Pat. I'm sorry, Pat. I'm sorry. This is why I'm such a weekday freak. <laughs> Gets me all riled up. All right, so I'm going to finish strong. Alex, your first fact was about guns. Yeah, and yes, Mike, your my... first your your first fact was about the army. They call Alex so, Big Guns Maloney. Damn right. My fact yeah. is also about guns. <gasps> and a little bit about the military. Yeah. I said military weird. But <laughs> he did say he's like you wanted to vibe with something that you changed the end of it. All right, so my fact is about the bulletproof vest. <gasps> Mike wears ones every Tuesday. Yep. Mike Odie thinks he's gonna get attacked on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. It's odd. Bulletproof vests they date all the way back to 1538 when Francesco Maria della Rovere commissioned Filippo Negroli to create one. Yep. In in 1561. Maximilian II, Holy Roman Emperor, is recorded as testing his armor against gunfire. So, as old as guns are, the first thing you think of is, how do I not get shot and killed by this gun? Yeah, because they're probably a very scary uh, weapon at the time. Well, I mean, they are now, but they like still, even yeah. more then, because it's like, what what is this thing that could just go through all normal armor and... and like, Finding out so much about Mike. He's against disease warfare, and he's not afraid of guns. 
<laughs> I ain't afraid of no gun. So for years, uh, we use various layers of fabrics, metals, clay plates to protect us. Our story begins centuries later on June 17th, 1969. Ooh, the day I was born. In Detroit, Michigan. <gasps> Richard C. Davis owned three pizza stores in Detroit known as R.C.'s Pizza. Yeah. He was making a delivery one night. When he got to the house, he noticed that all the lights were off. So he would yell, did you guys order a pizza? That's what I assume people from Detroit sound like, which is just my voice. And someone replied, yeah, bring it around back. Alex, you're shaking nope. your head. What? I just find this kind of this. Uh, story to be a little bit uh, over the top because Detroit already has enough bad press. Everybody assumes that people if you go to Detroit, you're going to get shot. So uh, carry on. I do not. I do not. Uh, Co-sign we went on to that. Detroit in uh, August of last year. We had a lovely time. Did you? We did a nice vegan restaurant for dinner. Did they, when did you go to Detroit? Didn't we go to? Oh no, we went to Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Detroit two summers ago or three summers ago. Yeah, it's like we I went don't to Nashville. Nashville. Folks at home, don't <laughs> trust Pat's facts. He can't even tell yep. the truth about his own life. I get Alex mixed up with my brother-in-law all the time. Hey, one of us is cool, and the other one's me. Yep. All right, so the guy yelled, bring it around back. So he had a feeling something was wrong. So he calmly pulled out his twenty two revolver from his waistband, and he held it. It was in the pizza the box. <laughs> yeah. Around the house, he found three men standing in a V formation. Like how we stand to record the podcast. <laughs> we are well, you always, you always stand behind a net and hold your hands up in a V. Yep. And say, flying V. And then we come behind you. Exactly. And then we never score. And the man in the middle was pointing a gun right in his face. Ooh. I don't know. So yeah, an armored vest is, is not going to help if it's pointed at your face, by the way. Not if you have an armored face. Well, uh, there actually, in 1969, was no such thing as a concealed bulletproof vest. So he was going at it just himself. So he's yeah. fixated on a gunman's hand, watching his finger tighten around the trigger. Richard shot first, striking the man in the jaw. A shootout would ensue with Richard Victorious hitting four out of six sh- shots and hitting two of the three men. Is this so. one of the like Han shot first thing? Yeah, Did... first. Looking back, we say he didn't shoot first, but we. Um. So he would retreat. He made it to a hospital, and that night, while he was laying up in a hospital. Oh wait, no, he was shot twice. I forgot that part. Not that oh, I was gonna say he went to the hospital for no reason. Uh, yeah, he, so he brought. Was he was twice. bringing the pizzas that he was supposed to be delivering to the hospital to injure to people there. Yes. <laughs> well, if no one's gonna eat this pizza, I'll take it to the, these cancer patients. So he was shot once in the back of his thigh, and the other glanced off his glasses and lodged in his temple. He was able to go to the hospital, and that night he thought of all the police officers that are facing being shot every day. And he thought there. Should I love be something how he was not wear. like think he was not thinking about his own self at that time. He was like. These poor police officers. Yeah. That's a, he's, you know, he's better than us. Pretty selfless. So, um, he, um, he figured there had to be something that you could wear underneath your clothes that was like light and flexible. So at the time, obviously during World War One, World War Two, they had stuff to wear in Vietnam War. They had things to wear, but they usually involved like metal plates, yeah. sometimes oh. clay plates. They were kind of bulky. They weren't like really like concealable well, and like comfortable mythical. to wear. Mithril, yes, in case you're fighting giant uh, spiders. 
Um, let's see. So he began his research and he found a high tenacity nylon, which was used in flak jackets. Do you guys know what flak jackets are? Yeah, no flat jackets. <laughs> flak with a F L A K. Oh, I thought you said yeah. a team, and I don't know. Flak, that g- stuff you're always giving to me. Well, I know flak jackets are supposed to be what people wear for bull protection, but I didn't know what they were before that. So it was during the Vietnam War. It was made more for not so much you, gunfire. It, it's what you would sit on, though, in helicopters, right? So, like, um, and during the Vietnam War, uh, the helicopter, the underbelly of the helicopters was so like thin that they would be afraid that people shooting up from the ground would just like uh, kill them inside the helicopter. So they would sit on flak jackets to protect themselves from getting shot from below, like underneath. You don't want to be shot in the butt. No, exactly. (laughs) So they were more, so they weren't so much like if you would wear the flak jacket, apparently they weren't so much for stopping bullets, but they were more for stopping shrapnel and like grenade things and bits like bombs (laughs) flying at you. Um, Because they would have like metal pieces in it and stuff. So, also not very good for, like, leisure wear. So, he would experiment with the right fabric and layer count. So, you, he, wouldn't he, sleep, he realized, you wouldn't sleep in these? No. I mean, I use it for a pillow. No leisure wear. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, he experimented, and he was able that he figured out with the right fabric and layer count, he could stop 22s, 25s, 32s, 38s, and the deadly 357 Magnum. Ooh. His next journey was to convince people to wear this bulletproof vest. And which is actually harder than you think. And he climbed to the top of the Eiffel Tower. Uh, this yeah. is kind of similar to my fact from last week. Okay. Um, no, I don't want to jump to the end. But he went around the local fire, uh, poli- fire departments, no, police departments, and people didn't really believe him. They thought he was just, you know, being like a macho man. And, um, he is that where the song him? Macho Man comes from? Yeah. He would go to gun ranges and he would put the vest on like the wall and he would shoot it and it would stop the bullet. But people noticed that it would leave a dent in like the clay behind it. And they were like, okay, obviously he stopped the bullet, but this dent is going to give me a heart attack or pierce a rib and smash it into my lungs. Well, yeah, it's not going to feel great if you're wearing a vest and get shot no matter what. Well, they thought it would kill you still. They just thought like the pressure of the bullet. You know, would still kill you. So, did you watch any of the Batman movies where he just has like the bruises on him? Yeah, he takes off his. You see his back, and it has like one scar on. Yeah, it. they forgot to t- to watch the Batman movies. <laughs> if they would have only so the watched only... the Batman movies. Uh... Yeah, so, similar to my uh, fact from last week, the only solution to prove its worth was to wear it himself and shoot himself in the chest. Too close. So in. 1972, he went to Walled Lake, Michigan Police Department shooting range. He got down on his knees, and he pointed a 38 revolver at his chest and said, if this works, it could save a 1,000 men in the next 10 years. If it doesn't, they will die as I will. And bang! After being shot just above the left ventricle of his heart, the vest absorbed all of the damage. He jumped up to show that he was fine. And after that, the bulletproof vest, as we know it, the concealed bulletproof vest, became like a household thing. Every, well, not household, but like a police household. Yeah, I have uh, four. Uh, two to wear to bed um, for leisure wear and uh, yeah. two to walk the dog. 
He uh, he would create a company called the Second Chance Body Armor Company, and he would uh, do live demonstrations all across the country. And then that's it normalized wearing uh, concealed bulletproof vest for police all across. The country. I hope he didn't continue to get sh- shot at like uh, for his demonstrations. The thing I read, it just said he continued to do live demonstrations. I can only assume he kept shooting himself in the chest. <laughs> Everywhere he went. All right. Even in conversations like, like at a, a potluck, he'd be like, hey, you don't believe me? I'll show you right here. <laughs> he would just get on his knees and blast himself in the chest. Why do you have to be on his knees? I think so. He wouldn't like fly back or something. That's the best part. He'd probably stabilize himself. You know, in I case guess. he did fall, he's closer to the ground. Yeah, the knees part is a little bit strange, uh, but I will congratulate him for doing the Lord's work. We're, are we allowed to start calling out strange parts of our facts? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and a uh, like a study showed that while he was running Second Chance Body Armor Company, over a thousand lo- American police officers were saved from gunshot deaths by wearing nice. the bulletproof vest. And your fact is called "See My Vest." Ah, that's better than mine. I mine was called the Bulletproof Fact. Oh, that's yeah, good. That's just a... Yeah, <laughs> bad title. <laughs> Mike, I still think you should have made Alex uh, write down whatever word you said right at the end of your fact. Well, there you have it, folks. Our three facts for tonight. You have Operation Big Itch by Mikey Sands. You have Get Off the Damn Lake by me, Alex. Well, you have See My Vest slash Bulletproof Fact by Pat. There will uh, also be a second vote on Twitter. Which name is better? See My Vest or Bulletproof Fact? Mike would post that tomorrow. Uh, go to <laughs> go to factoffpodcast.com to vote which fact you think is the best. There's also a vote voting link in the show notes that says vote or die. Just click on that and it will take you to their voting page. Uh, like <laughs> and review uh, us on Apple and Spotify. Uh, check us out on all the socials. Mike is off this uh, this <laughs> winter, so he'll be Mike, posting more. Uh, he's just taking the winter off, so I hope he posts them more. Uh, follow Mike on Twitter. He is a very good follow. Uh, Mike, what's your Twitter handle? I'm like a bear in the in the winter. I hibernate. Um, That's his uh, uh, Twitter name. Yeah, At, um, I'm like a bear in the winter. I hibernate and does a lot of cocaine. And on that note, have a great day. <laughs>